enough for next question. <laughs> well, I, I, have, I have one more question for you, Noe. Like, so what, what attracted you to uh, anthropology in particular? Anthropology? Um, I wanted to do history at first when I was um, in elementary and in and, and middle school. I wanted to do history. That was my thing. But um, when I was in college, I had the opportunity to do research in anthropology. Um, so I had a, a professor that he took me and, and a group of grad students to, to do research in rural communities in Oxnard and Santa Maria because I went to UCSB, so it was near Oxnard and Santa Maria. So I traveled with this professor and this group of students to observe and, and learn about the spaces of, um, of immigrants. Um, and I, it, that fascinated me so much because I really got to know how space is created. I really got to see how buildings come, come you know, how immigrants come and they build, they establish themselves in different forms. Um, and that has happened through history in California. I mean, it happened through uh, to the immigrants that came here, the um, Chinese, the Punjabi, um, the, the Japanese, they came, they came as farm workers and they, they, they settled and they, they created their own markets. And I saw that um, being done by Mexicans as well. And at that time, it was starting to, to happen with, with, with my people that they came and they started to create their own businesses. And that whole thing, that whole experience, that really just amazed me and I fell in love with it. I love doing that kind of research, uh, understanding how people create a life for themselves um, despite all these um, disadvantages, these forms of oppression. And that's how I got into anthropology and I'm still in it. <laughs> yeah. Takeshi, do you, have, do you have anything to ask? Yeah. Um, I know like Esme and Tony, uh, we've taught in the same areas and I know Miguel, you, you work with youth in different ways since you're a rapper. Uh, Noe, any, I'm sure like you guys have experienced working with the youth, <clears throat> but I wanted to know like what advice would you give for teachers that are working with, uh, indigenous communities, like this diaspora, like Mexico, Central America, Latin America. And also, I guess another question to add on to that was, like, how has your experience been in terms of, like, maintaining your identity and also maybe, like, teaching the students that come from uh, different indigenous groups? Uh, let me see if I could answer that question, right? Before I forget it, <laughs> short to memory here. But I, um, I, I really, one of the most important thing is just uh, empowerment, you know? Empowerment in all sorts of areas and also empowerment when, uh, when it, as an educator, you were supposed to empower your students and, you know, to, to believe in themselves and be proud of or like where they come from or, or what they do or what they represent. And I think sometimes maybe it's because um, perhaps we get stressed or they um, are very long at times and we get caught up on like our own emotions maybe. Because I uh, remember like uh, when I was in high school, one of the teachers, uh, one of my history teachers, we're talking about history, a lot about history right now. Um, one of the things that really like hit strong to me and I still remember up to this day, uh, she was giving us a pep talk. Uh, maybe the point was to inspire, like, you know, the youth to, like, try to do better and give it 110%. But I think there was, there's another way to do it. But she was just like, you know, reality is, like, you guys are in the in the Pico Union area. Um, um, I know you guys have, like, you know, you guys want to become actors, soccer players. And, you know, the big dreams that usually, like, uh, the youth has, they're like, uh, chances are, reality is you're not going to become that. So your only option is education. And to me, that came out very, like, strong because there there's youth that are, like, have um, low self-esteem and they're barely building it you know and just to have somebody like uh tell you that thing that's just gonna like like shatter it and it's gonna make you like go back into your own little box and that to me i mean it didn't, it didn't crack me i mean it inspired me to do better but it could work reverse when it comes to everybody has their own experience and, and i also thought about that too so i would say just you know to empower your your, your students and rather than like bringing them down in in all areas and for Mm, what was the second question? <laughs> I guess, I guess uh, like your personal experience as an educator working with the youth and whether like you're working with the indigenous group or not, because I know the community where we work is kind of like mixed. Uh, mm -hmm. Like what has your experience been? Mm, my experience has been um, so far so, so good at it. I, I'm always looking for like improvements, ways to improve my own self as an educator. But uh, I've always like, you know, try to like listen to the students. I, I think that's very important. Listen to them and just... Um, Find a connection to, you know, um, 
we we all think differently. I think we have different, like we all have different personalities. We have an approach towards life differently too. So it's just re- respecting that too, but also like, you know, try some ways to like encourage them to like believe in themselves because it works, especially our youth that are coming from like other countries and they're here learning a new language, learning a new style of living, right? Uh, and it's just sometimes, like you said, like, storytelling is so important because they're, they're, they can relate to you and your experiences. Because I have like my own experiences and even if I didn't struggle, they would be interested of like learning about that, you know, and, and that and that's, yeah, I, I'd say that's my experience has been good. And that's what I usually do. I usually tell like my, my, my struggle sometimes and say, hey, like you, you could do it. I know there, there, there's always going to be boundaries, but if you keep on going, eventually there's like the light. So, yeah. I think, uh, I, sorry, you can go first. I don't know. Okay. Um, I think it's really important. Um, <clears throat> like invite speakers i mean invite the people in community to speak in the class like something like your mom to mama to share or your mother your abuela to share something traditional in the community that they belong to in the class right because the knowledge is really important and that's also that the school system should recognize that you know because that's how we share knowledge also the other thing is like if you plan into a project or something just let a let a student or like go in the community or just be part of the community or be part of the baile or dances or cultural tradition, you know? And so they can learn more about their culture. Also, so they can like create new perspective, you know, in the class. And I haven't really, I don't really work with um, like like high school. I mostly uh, adults. Um, I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. I, I guess um, it, it will be, important to to mention like what you would have liked your teachers to be doing based on your experience you know um even if we didn't work with them i think we could definitely say how what will help us navigate right um at least for me um i think history teachers tend to be more uh informed about culture or i don't know about history or about all this stuff, but then I know that other people, no matter what subject they have, they always do their research, right? So um, I think um, one of the first things that teachers have to do, no matter what subject, is get to know um, your students, but get to know the backgrounds too. I think that will help you understand more of where they come from, because when you give this um, um, advice of everybody could do it, or, or uh, you know, like all those, um, rally pep talks like but then you don't understand what what, what their struggles are really are you know um yes they, they will be smart yes they could do it but then there's other things that are happening um that doesn't necessarily means that we all come from the same background right so i think get to know that get to know your students background and especially if you're working with indigenous get to know that i think it will help you a lot um getting to know the differences of all these languages and communities and and that will help you connect more with the student. For example, if a teacher tells me like, oh, where are you from? You know, Mojaca, where are you language is home? You know, like just, just get to know what language I speak. Some people don't even take that time to, to, to learn that. So that will help you connect with the student. And I think um, that, that's for the teachers that, that, that end up working with um, communities like ourselves. But um, if it comes to be us being the teachers, I think we could definitely uh, influence more. So I really advise too that that things that we didn't see as growing up, we have to be the ones and those and being on those spaces now. And that's the reason. Uh, like like as me mentioned, there was no like like rap. Like I grew up with rap, so there was no Oaxacan rappers or anything like that. So I needed to be one, you know. So now um, uh, you just have to take those spaces because if we don't have it, we have to create it. So. So yeah, that's, 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 it will be more impactful if we are in all those spaces in terms of like being math teachers, being history teachers, science, being advisors, being um, um, whatever, you know, sports coordinator, whatever. Um, I think you will impact a lot because you already went through that. Um, I think that's an excellent point. That's such a beautiful point. Because if you think about it, education, it's a colonial mechanism. It's a, it's a colonial tool. It's one of the main tools that you use to colonize people, to discipline people, to follow a certain idea and ideology, to become something that you want them to become, right? And I I don't think teachers 
uh, in the dominant education system in the United States or in Mexico, I don't think they would never be capable to understand indigenous students because they're in a position of power, right? Especially if they're mestizos, white, they have some kind of privilege within the nation state they're in or the colonial system they participate in. They will never understand indigenous never, never. Doesn't matter how many tools we give them, how much advice we give them, and how many resources or workshops we make with them, they will never understand the experience of indigenous students because they never have been in that struggle. They have never been um, in, a, in, a, in a place or in a position outside of, within themselves or outside of themselves in which they're oppressed, right? In which their entire families, their entire elders were colonized, right? Where they had, they had to be forced to, to, to migrate for a better life or many of the students are sleeping on the floors and the parents are working as farm workers. Many of the students too, in the case in Mexico, in Baja California, they're working in the fields too, right? So all these experiences, doesn't matter how much we tell as teachers uh, how to deal with that, they will never understand it. They will never do it. And I'm speaking this from a position as a, as a PhD candidate. I have been through this education system. I have achieved, um, a level in which I can definitely tell you the teachers will never understand indigenous students, never in, in the university, in high school, in middle school or elementary, they will never do that. Now, from, from what Miguel said, I think that's perfect. I think that's really amazing because what we need now, it's more indigenous, uh, more new savvy teachers in the schools that speak Tunsavi and Spanish and, and, and English. Um, I think change will only happen for, for indigenous students in the diaspora if there are more new savvy teachers. That's, that's, that's what we're trying to focus on, I think, as uh, <clears throat> people in higher education. I think we need to train more indigenous teachers, and I think indigenous teachers should be more than in schools, in places like Oxnard, LA, uh, Fresno. I think only then, only through giving resources and training teachers and graduating more indigenous folk from the universities in which they go back to the communities and teach, I think that will be ideal. I think that, I think that <laughs> I mean, if you're asking for an advice or, uh, or, or something from, for teachers to expect that, expect to have more indigenous teachers in the schools in the United States or Mexico. Um. I don't know how to follow up with that because basically everything was like taken out. I was like, yes, yes. Um, I agree completely, you know. Um, I think that it's crucial for teachers. So I worked I worked at one charter school where um I thought the the system that we used to reward and like give consequences to kids were very punitive. It was very traumatizing, like it just um I ended up protesting the school with uh, some other staff members. And, you know, one of the things that I told the principal at the time was, you don't understand. Like, this was a white principal, too. So I was like, you want to be the white savior? And that's not going to work. Like, you want our kids to be successful? You are not the savior. Like, people like myself, like, I am trying to teach my kids, like, their history because no one is teaching me. No one is teaching them anything. And Honestly, I was like, you know, the people who are better suited to survive the streets are actually my kids, and they're going to survive in a uh, higher education because they can co-switch, you know, like we can co-switch too, you know, like who is better equipped for higher education? We are because we have been forced to navigate the world um, in, in such a way that no one else understands, like, no, you know, like no one really experiences the world like indigenous people because the history of indigenous, indigenous people worldwide is very similar in a sense of like colonialism capitalism like we are at the bottom of the hierarchy basically um and so you know working i've been working in education for a while so i always try to talk to the teachers of like you know i don't want to teach them because essentially especially if they're white like it's not my job <laughs> like it's already a struggle to wake up every day and having to you know prove that i i can coexist or that i i'm not coexist but like that I deserve to exist in this world um, and, you know, like not have so many challenges come up. Um, and so, you know, I try to tell them like, go research where you're, where you're, where you're working at um, and try to find out like what, 
the history is of our people and like how like let's say the United States you know when we talk about immigrants and like the migrant caravan that was coming right like people are like oh you know there was just so much backlash and I'm like you don't know how much the United States has been involved in the like for example Guatemala right uh the Mayan uh, genocide United States you know we have the guns we gave it to them and so like it's just like there's just so much that is not known or not recognized or like people are in denial that like they need to be able to come to terms and like research I just I don't know like how much we should be like telling them about it because like, again like I said like it's just tiring you know it's just tiring to like consistently having to tell people about our history and like our struggles and our challenges and how we're overcoming things um and so I definitely agree like there needs to be more of us in the system um I am currently also a graduate student I'm working on my master's in social work specifically wanting to work with indigenous communities like in mental health but like also resources because we lack it you know like between like the Latino community again indigenous people are just like you know like they don't want to help us or don't believe in us or we're always going to be with the term savages or what have you like it just it's tiring um so working in education like I definitely like uh when there's a casual day to wear like I'll go in with my like my blusitas you know because I want people to know like where I'm from but also like oh yeah like I bought this from an indigenous um seller right like I like I have people that go to Oaxaca well speak for it right they went to Oaxaca they were like buy me from the actual people who actually like make it so then that way I can you know they would bring it back and I talked to a lot of the kids of like um you know like asking them where they're from and you know asking them like what like do you speak a different language it's like you know getting to know like who they are and like sometimes they're ashamed and I'm like oh no that's cool like I think that's great you know like do you speak it like oh yeah a little and I'm like oh that's better than me like I only know like patios and like my numbers you know some of them like just like having them have that sense of pride of like who they are and where they come from and you know at the school that uh, Antonio and I work at and some other work in Takashi also work at we're making the changes to actually uh being more inclusive for a lot of our community so I know this year we're thinking of like leading a club an indigenous club um we're thinking about like having um written poetry and having it multilingual as well like I'm working piece as well um so just like having having more of us in that space is very very crucial and I do want to recognize what Noah has said like in terms of like the education being like very uh like oppressive in a sense it's it's also really hard for us to kind of be successful because the system is the system is made for us to be successful like there's so many barriers like a uh, financial aid you know like oh, I'm going to be in debt you know so like things like that like it it just it's I wish like we there could be more of us but I also recognize that there's so many barriers that make it hard for us to be in those space um but yeah yeah thank you for sharing that and yeah kind of going along with what Noena as me said Yeah, I do agree that education is a very oppressive force and an oppressive system. And I do wonder um do like folks from your community is there a movement to kind of get away from the system? Like get away like kind of get away from the system of colonization or like imperialism because um I know that a lot of my friends who are like Latinx or Latino activists have like always talked about like the zapatistas that are going on in Chiapas. Um I don't know too much about it but just based on what I hear my understanding is like an auto- autonomous region and they have their own movement but uh I wanted to know like if like the, the community that you're from do they is there like a a movement towards to get away from like the oppressive system or uh the colonial forces and I guess the second question is like what are your opinions on the zapatista movement is it like a model that people follow or is it just I, I don't mean I I know very little just based on what I've read. Um I could go um that's a really 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 interesting question. Um I think uh to stay it's really hard because in, in terms of staying away from all this it's, it's really complex. Uh, at least in Oaxaca um I guess the the first movement in, in, in the first layer at least from my town is just um being um trying to be continue being autonomous still on their on doing their own thing right um when you go to the village the context is it's more about the surrounding areas you know um unfortunately um in many neighboring towns the biggest issue is land issue 
you know, like with neighboring towns, um, like right now, as we speak, there's, there's two towns that are fighting uh, still right now. So my town had, had issues uh, of land, uh, with a neighboring town in the past, like 90s or 80s. And those were like kind of like the biggest um, kind of like um, uh, wars that has happened. Um, and then, so the town, it's, it's, isn't, it's more concerned right now of what's going on. Like if somebody comes in in town or they, they, they steal something or they cut the trees or something, I'm pretty sure my town will, will say something, right? Um, um, so those kind of like the ones I could think of in terms of going back to town. Um, when I arrived here, many of us, again, it's just that, it's just the, um, the process that each of us has been to. Like, for example, when I came, I, I didn't know what, first, I didn't even know what Gelaguetza was to begin with, because Gelaguetza, it does, doesn't happen in our region. Um, Gelaguetza is more in the Valle Centrales, the Zapotec region, and I didn't know what it was. We did have traditional dance, though, but those traditional dance don't go to the Gelaguetza. So that's like a new experience for me. Um, and, but I started embracing La Gelaguetza because it's re it represented the state at some point, right? Um, so when you, many people like, um, maybe they like mistakes, maybe they go because it kind of reminds them of the fiestas that we have. So in, in a way we, we, we kind of like blend or get it, uh, go to La Gelaguetza. Um, and, but many don't know the history because, but it just, you just gotta, be able to read or, 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 or be able to be exposed to that history to know more about it, right? Um, so like, uh, like those, those examples, um, I didn't even know about the Zapatistas either until I started reading again. Again, like this privilege of being able to read and be able to um, have access to this information, that, that plays a big role of us um, understanding what's going on or um, being exposed to a different point of view, right? So I understood about the history of Zapatista, and I did understand um, that the, the struggle is the struggle of so many people, uh, especially indigenous, right? Um, but at this point, like, I, 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 I um, follow what they do. I, I know what they do. But at this point, um, I'm still, like, for me personally, for me, it's really hard for me to follow something because there's always something, you know, there's always something, uh, different stories, different point of view. And, and um, uh, I don't know how to really, I don't want to follow blindly anything, but I also, you know, want to be uh, acknowledge the, the lucha de, de todos los, uh, los pueblos, right? Um, so, so, so my answer to the Zapatistas, um, I do know who they are. Um, I understand the struggle, but my community don't know who they are. Um, they just hear up, especially because they hear about them on TV. Primer Impacto, when I was growing up, oh, the militaries, the rebels, you know, they will portray them really bad. So that, um, that would be one of the biggest reasons why my town probably don't really care what they do. Because you, they will always be demonized, right? Um, especially that and Cesar Chavez, like Cesar Chavez, um, Hugo Chavez, again, like Hugo Chavez too, like that's uh, something that I also don't know uh, completely about because there's a positive side and negative side. So I, I just don't want to follow it blindly, but, but I do know that the TV demonized him too because we all know about, about the capitalism uh, agenda. Um, but the biggest um, uprising that has happened in, in, in Oaxaca was the, the teachers. The, the, the teachers during 2006, um, they started protesting the government. Um, they shut down the schools. There was no schools and they, they took out the governor. Um, so that was one of the biggest luchas that our community has done. But again, um, most of them were teachers. And so they were more exposed to a different kind of politic uh, mindset. If the community wasn't there, uh, maybe, maybe some of them did because they understood what was going on. But but like, if, if you go to my town, when I went to my town that time, they'll be like, there's no school because the teachers don't want to work, you know? But they didn't understand why, right? But they're like, why are they always protesting? Why don't they just come and teach our children, you know? So there's so many layers about this. And, and as of now, I think, um, personally for me, the biggest uh, movement that I see is, is these, these groups. This, especially Oaxaqueño Youth Encuentro, like all these youth movements that didn't exist back then because, because you will, I think you will, 
you will jump from, from kid to adult. There was no youth in our towns because you'll grow up. So we didn't have this kind of like spaces. So I think that's one of the biggest movement. And, and as of now, I'm just really happy that everybody is embracing who they are, um, talking about the culture, talking about the danzas, um, naming themselves in their languages, like all that. I think that's, that's the biggest movement that, that really, um, I think it has made a big change. But in terms of being away from all this, uh, I haven't seen it. And I think hopefully we can do it and create our own, our own spaces uh, without needing to follow that, you know? Um, yeah, I just want to piggyback off of Miguel when he said that, you know, that impacto, like it just, like it just, the narrative of media really just changes everything. So I remember growing up and like learning, hearing about the Zapatista, like it just, it was all very negative. And so they, they're aware of like certain movements, but for some reason, they're just like, unless they're impacted, they will actually be involved. But otherwise, if we don't have any, like, I, I think there's just like a lot of fear of like, joining certain movements that um they feel like maybe like the government further help anymore and so um that's why they're very much so like in the background um i'm familiar with the zapatista movement but it's not like predominant in oaxaca and it's not predominant in the sierra no predominant community so um unfortunately i am also very like well it's not like i support you but like i I also feel like I don't know so much about like because every every state is different as well. I'm not familiar with like the the way it is in Chapta, so I can't say like I feel like sometimes I can't like say certain things because I don't know. You know, it's the same thing with my pueblo. Like, there's so much that I can say. Um, you know, when we have our meetings and stuff like that, but I wasn't born there and don't visit there unfortunately a lot, so I can't, like give my two cents. You know, like say, oh, you guys should do this because I'm not from there. So I do follow a lot when I support, but I I'm more involved in my community and the changes that need to be done for for that. Um, but I, you know, like I I understand like the struggle or not understand, but like I hear the struggle that they have, and you know, I I think that they should be doing what needs to be done to have those changes. And um, okay, um, I guess I'm going next. Um, so for you. I, I'm not sorry. Um, so you meant um, an autonomous schooling project, academic project? Is that what you meant? Or just autonomy in general? Uh, autonomy in general. Well, I'm writing a lot uh, about nationalism in my dissertation, um, uh, focusing on sovereignty. Um, the the Mixteca region. And there are parts of it where um, certain towns are proclaiming some kind of nationalism. Uh, and the difference to to Mexican nationalism um, that is mostly seen through through teachers organizations um, so there's there are conferences in certain regions where teachers train their students to to be proud of their origins and to embrace a, a, a national ideal in in terms of, of, of to be mixtec and to be a new savvy and that includes language. So many of the students are, are taught their language before Spanish um, in elementary and by, the, by when they get to middle school, if they get to middle school, because in many regions, many students do not go to middle school because they, they're trained to fulfill their community duties uh, instead of going to school. So if they go to middle school, they're, they're fully trained in Spanish and Tunsabi. So they're bilingual. These are bilingual schools. Um, if, th if this counts as some form of autonomy, which I think it definitely does, um, that's what I'm, I'm, I'm pushing forward and supporting in terms of um, schools. And schools are really important in, in, in that regard in fomenting uh, an identity and fomenting an ideology. Um, it's, it's extremely important. I know that Zapatistas have been doing this. They have this escuelita. They have a Escuelita Zapatista and they have some events. I've never been to, and I honestly, I, I don't think I will ever be there. Um, I support the Zapatistas. I, I'm a supporter of, of, of a militant struggle <laughs> and what they stand for. I'm a Malcolm X kind of person. <laughs> um, but it's not something that I'm part of. I support and I'm in solidarity, but I'm not part of it. Um, and especially because I think that Oaxacan pueblos, Oaxacan uh, 
Oaxaca and in the Mixteca, because the Mixteca is within Oaxaca and Guerrero and, and Puebla. So in the Mixteca, um, our political system is already autonomous. It is straight up. It has been autonomous, it is autonomous, and it, through these centuries, it has fought to remain autonomous, you know? But they don't say like, we're autonomous pueblos, and no, they don't quite take that position. Oftentimes they do, but our traditions says a lot about our autonomy, right? So our political duty says a lot about our autonomy and other than the flag. You know, the flag, it's more, I call it more of a Nusabi Renaissance kind of thing, uh, where folks are emerging, to creating these forms of ideology. But in communities, in pueblos, we are already ingrained in, in a political system that is already autonomous to the nation state. Um, but in the diaspora, and something that it's, some, it's happening, and it's ha- happening in a, such a beautiful way, is that um, the future generations um, growing up in the United States and growing up in urban areas in, in Mexico, in Mexico City, Mixtecos are growing up in Mexico City, they have this these ways in which they embrace their sovereignty and their culture by creating more culture and more forms of identity. So they're poets that write in English and Tunsavi. Uh, they're singers that sing in English and Tunsavi. But there's also intellectuals, uh, new Savi intellectuals that they go to the university um, or even they publish books in which they Done, done research on the history of the community and they do the, do research in policies and to do the research in labor movements, right? And that's really, that's extremely important because it's producing knowledge in favor of a, of, of a community, of, of a population, right? And, and it's happening in ways that it has not quite been done before, I think, because now there are folks doing this in the United States and they're doing it in English, right? So that's extremely important. Our history, it's, it's, it's getting more, I would say, structured, right? So I'm hoping for the future in which, you know, the typical white academic going to indigenous communities, writing about their culture and seeing how they behave, that's going to be over soon. I really hope that's over. And it's going to be over when intellectuals, mixed tech or indigenous intellectuals, um, are the ones that write about this. This culture, this politics, and this ways of being, right? And that's gonna be fomented in the youth, the youth that will go to schools, and the youth that are growing up here. And and at the end of the day, I think in the, in, in the end of it all, the youth are the ones that are gonna carry through this political, historical, or artistic uh, creations that are happening right now. And I know it sounds really nationalist. It sounds really what the what a national uh, militant person will say, <laughs> but but I think that's our own way of autonomy right now. It's it's creating culture and writing our own history and creating our own politics through whatever means necessary. I think, and I think that's beautiful. And and I'm and I'm really hoping that. It's gonna, it's gonna bring many positive things. I think it's gonna be, it's gonna be beautiful. It already is, but um, unfortunately, I think there's there needs to be more indigenous mystical intellectuals, more teachers, more more folks that keep on writing and creating art and just creating a, a culture that doesn't have to explain themselves too much. You know, because when we explain ourselves too much, that means people do not quite understand us. And they don't understand us because they don't want to understand it because of all their positionality and their privilege. But yeah, I think that that would, that would be the, that, that would be the ideal thing that I'm thinking. So yeah. Next question or what time is it? 4.50. So what do yeah. you all think? Oh, is Tony still there? I'd like to hear from Tony with the same question. I don't, I wonder too, like, just reiterating Takashi's question about um, like the Zapatista movement and the uh, effort for whether there is an effort for people to sort of emulate what they're doing or whether like as Noe is suggesting like it already exists to to certain degrees right it's not really necessarily a response to um, a government or a state but there's already autonomy there um, I'm wondering if for you Tony if if you have 
if there's something similar going on in your community in Guatemala? In terms of Zapatistas, um, I think I'd have to do my own like research when it comes to that. I think I've, I've been in my own little box lately. So, and you've, you've, I've, heard, I've heard that um, it's been going on for a while already. So that is something that I definitely want to learn about and look upon. Um, but one thing that I um, that uh, resonated with me was that, that uh, well, that uh, that I thought about when um, Miguel, I think he mentioned about the the, the lands. Um, there's a thing. There's a my stepdad's uh, pueblo. He, there's two pueblos from Nahuala and a nearby um, pueblo. They're 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 fighting for like for like for like land. But um, the government isn't necessarily doing anything. They hear about it, and there's like there's injuries going on. There's you know um, people dying. But and it's major news that's made its way all the way here. But yet there's nothing being done over there, and, and they're just letting it, you know, happen with that. Like, like nothing's happening. So that 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 just kind of like reminded me of like, man, it just has a lot of. It makes me think. That's interesting to hear, Tony. I, I, did you have anything else to say? I'm sorry. Oh no no, not for now. <laughs> that's it. Um, because uh, those types of conflicts, like land conflicts between between pueblos, those mm-hmm. are. That's a very common feature to the Mesoamerican region. They have them in Oaxaca. They mm-hmm. have them in Chiapas. Uh, I, I have a friend from Chiapas, and he talks about he he tells me about them too. And it's that's something that's been going on for at least hundreds of years. Um, maybe maybe it goes back to the beginning of many of these Mesoamerican civilizations, the establishment of Mixtec communities of Mayan. Um, so. Yeah, that, that's, that's that's so it's interesting. I've I've never really heard about them in Guatemala, but it's interesting. So it's interesting to hear that they you you find this sort of feature of the region as far as Guatemala. Um, I, Miguel, do you do you have anything any comment on that? Have has has your community actually? Uh, do you have any familiarity with like interpueblo conflicts like over land? Yeah, well, my community right now it's it's, it's not fine. We're fine right now. It's just nearby communities like um, our Fria with the Tilki community. The Tilki community is really close to us. Um, then I know San Martin um, Peras and, and Xochitl La Sala, which Indy probably knows about. That, it, it's like related to land issues, but, you know, it involves even the community itself. I think, I don't know what happens, what has happened now, but uh, the last thing I hear was that Xochitl La Sala had like 10 people of San Martin Peras and they were asking for the liberations. Um, San Juan Mr. Peja had issues with Yosunyama. It's always, you know what? It's always that it starts with land issues, but when you kill one of, uh, of my family members, it becomes a family personal issue. So it, it goes beyond that. Like, for, and that's, that creates hate in between like people in between towns because of that, you know? Like, for example, if, if, if somebody from a nearby town killed my grandpa, I would be like, I'm going to bench my grandpa. I'm not going to let them get away with that. It's not even about land issue anymore, right? Um, but I do want to mention something that I didn't mention here because uh, it's a, I feel like it's some it's it's related but not related because we have the Frente Indigena de Organizaciones Binacionales, which was founded around 92. But I feel like, yes, it's community, but it's more like individuals who saw a movement who are part of the community. Like, for example, I'm part of it. I'm from San Miguel Cuevas. So it just happens that I'm from San Miguel Cuevas, who's part of Friend Indigena. And La Lucha ha sido the, for the rights uh, and the respect for the indigenous communities. And over here, back then in the 90s, um, there was not a lot of interp- interpreters, so they advocated a lot for interpretation, you know. So it's not mostly to be autonomous, but it's mostly to have, our, to have the respect to, to be respected as indigenous uh, communities. Um, and it's really political, you know, they will, they will definitely protest the government. They were, they were definitely involved in the, in the Apple movement in 2006 when the teachers were protesting. So those, those organizations do, do exist, but I wouldn't say that it's a certain town that is, uh, that is moving it. It's more like individuals of certain towns moving it. So I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, um, before we leave, um, I think the, the issue of like San Martin Peras and Suchikla Sala, um, I mean, it started like a, well, it started as a agrarian issue, like lands, about lands. And now it become little, like people starting to kidnap people, right? And 
Well, now they they um just release the people. Well, what I mean is like a, well, so in, in in California, right? And here, um, people study organized community, like com like comité, like a, uh, I forgot how to say that in English. They started to organize a comité, so they like a, um, each people had to give money to buy arms, like arms, weapons, right? And I think in this, like a, in if you are like. Because I think like yeah, there's a lot of way how you do you people identify as Oaxaqueños, but they don't have a relationship with the comités or the relationship with the community, right? So as a part of the community, I had to go to the meetings, right? I had to go to the committee meetings and know what is the what is going on and how I can contribute. So in this case, uh, the question I always come out in my mind is, what is my role? In the like in the, in my community in Mexico that I that, that I am here in the United States right and that's the the question that I like I'm trying to write about every time in my journal because um that's define who's like a that I mean people have people in this group can have different perspective that because that's 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 okay right? you know but like that's that define who who's like what that what identify identity and what is their role in the community in Mexico right. Because um, yeah, so I think now I have I've been reflecting on that, and and it's really important um, as a like a like academic or whatever. Just in school, you have to be neutral, right? Not neutral, but you have to analyze the situation and how we can stop the 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 conflict there, you know, without being without being like a side of Martin Perez or Suchiklasara because there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people like, like I've been hurt, you know, and, and killed as well. So I think in this case, um, I ha I've been like reflecting how to, what is my, what is my role in the community in Mexico, right? Because the problem going there is my problem as well. So now I have to look at that and write about it and reflect on that because, because if I don't do anything, um, like, are they gonna recognize me as a part of community or how is that gonna be in the future right so it's really important like if you are like born over there because i'm born over there so i have to like think about this like every people that live in the united states you know yeah Ine, did you did you say that there's even people not people who are not from the community that get involved in the conflicts oh uh, no no uh what i'm oh. no like they're not i mean just um no, uh, there's not people like, I mean, if you're part of the, the community of San Martin Perez, you have to know like uh, why, you have, well, you have to um, start thinking how you can contribute to part of the, you have to contribute or be part of the community here in, in the United States. And so because a lot of people, a lot of towns in San Martin Perez, they started getting like, get weapons, like armas. So they started to just attack other places, right? Because that's the thing, you know, like that's the thing, like how you this you have to get together and and organize the community. Because I think that's very different than nonprofit here in the, in the United States, and that's like different nonprofit or other like movement. It's very different than being part of the community. And and one of the my um my goal is to come going to PhD as to come back, but with not that deal, like being academic, right? Being part of the committee because that's like that's who I am. I'm new savvy or new savvy or I'm that community, right? So I think that's my job and that's my role and as a community member in, in Mexico. Okay. Well we we've already reached the two hour mark. Um if you guys if any of you guys have to leave, like feel feel free, just you could you could just like, you know, say you're busy or whatever. Um it, it looks like Ini has to go. Um but thank you for coming for those of you who who are probably gonna leave. Um this was this was an excellent meeting. I, I learned a lot of stuff. Yeah. And I'm supposedly an expert in some stuff of this, but I'm still I'm always learning. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you guys want to uh, stay and maybe maybe have more of a conversation about some other related topics. I don't know if Takeshi has also has a, maybe a couple more questions or uh, what do you think, Takeshi? Um, well, <laughs> I mean, I'll be here for a while if you all want to just like catch up or just uh what at want to add anything additional but yeah thank you all for coming i learned so much today too and for me this is kind of like me coming from uh like someone from the outside i'm not latino uh being asian and coming uh, as an immigrant too 
Um, I also learned like, okay, even like even within the Latino group, there's so much different indigenous. It's also very similar to the Asians too, because there's a lot of sovereignty uh, movements in Hawaii, Native Hawaiians, Pacific Islanders have their own history that's very, uh, I feel like gets neglected in the Asian American discourse. So I feel like there's a very uh, similar um, narrative and history that happens like with US imperialism and colonialism. Um, history of migration. Yeah, it was just a pleasure to be able to listen and um, ask questions. Yeah, just to see you all again. Uh, where are you from? I mean, I, I, I hope that question doesn't... <laughs> no, it's all good. So I, 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 was, uh, I was born in Japan, but oh, okay. my family is from Laos. Oh, okay. So next to Cambodia and Vietnam, they came as refugees during the Vietnam War. And oh, okay. once I came to this country, uh, I grew up in LA. So like the first like group of people I met were actually Latinos. So I was like, oh, I thought America was supposed to be like, you know, white people with blonde hair and blue eyes. Yeah. A lot of people were like not even speaking English in the community where I was at. So it was definitely a culture shock. It wasn't like the America that I thought I was expecting. The schools the schools where I went to was majority Latino. Um I think I picked up some Spanish too in elementary school because of that. Cool. I guess uh Esme and Tony, how was this for you? Probably stop recording now. Unless you guys wanted to record that, I don't know. I'm fine with whichever. Okay, I might um, edit things out at the end just because it's kind of relevant. But <laughs> all right, for me, it was uh, you know, it's 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 always uh, so it's I'm always up for learning, you know, especially if it's about my culture, especially about other cultures as well. Um, just appreciating like everybody else's like way of life as well. So, so for me, it was such a good opportunity, and thank you for inviting me. Learned a lot today too. I learned so much. <laughs> There's things that I want to go like, okay, I'm going to go research on this, read about it, and just, you know, be able to be more informed and aware too. And what, what is it that you do? You're a teacher or can you repeat that to me? I'm a teacher, uh, well, EL teacher assistant. That's why I mostly um, work with the, the newcomers oh, that okay. are coming here. So, you know, just support them and be able to help out. Cool. That's awesome. And you're a bilingual teacher? Yeah, yeah, EL um, bi- bilingual t- teacher assistant. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So. And an exceptional one too. <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, it was um, I. Well, I mean, Takashi, you already know I love talking. Um, <laughs> and I'm always like down with the system, you know, like this, this like, uh, and uh, of course, like being a social worker or the process of social work. This is literally the the type of conversations that I really have with people of like. Let me tell you about my culture. Let me tell you about Oaxaca. Let me tell you about like Mesoamerica and all these things. So um, it was always, um, it was very um, interesting to hear because I'm always surrounded by Zapotecos and I love my people, but it's really rare for me to talk to someone like Seco or uh, anyone else, you know, like you, you kind of grow up in your own box as well. So like, this is like, even though I was familiar with Mixtecos and like, I only met only one other person at UNM. Um, but it's always really nice to hear about like the other, you know, indigenous group, you know, like there's a lot of similarities and obviously differences, but you know, it's like a collective thing and getting together and talking about it. Um, and then like, like I said, like my, I mean, Tony is from Guatemala, but like still already. So I really enjoyed um, talking, sharing my experiences, you know, um, and learning from everyone as well. I have a question. I mean, sorry, I, I think I think I'm gonna stay here so for a little bit. Uh, I think like a, being like a, well, I think, um, I don't know how y'all think about this, but, and I think that's my perspective, right? Um, being part of the community and being part of the Mixteco or, or New Savvy, it's really, every time that you're in, in, in like in academia or whatever, in, or in the community, you have to think very critical, critically about the terms you use, right? And that's, I think being like a, <laughs> I think in, in this time, like where, this time right um there's a lot like it's, there's not a lot but there's few um like indigenous scholars right and that that are making uh, that creating and writing on beautiful like books and pieces and everything so now i think like uh, sometimes like, what i had trouble is like sometimes like use terms like just specific terms how to describe myself because that was um like people trying to dismiss Try to put you in, in just in specific, like you should call yourself indigenous or this one, this one, right? And I think right now, I think that's what I feel. Um, people can have different opinions, but like, and also become like coming to the United States, learning Spanish and English, like 
it's really hard like how to use some certain terms and but sometimes uh what i'm what i mean is it's really hard to be indigenous in just in general right now or polos originarios because there's always some people wanna uh well indigenous scholars that are trying to put you down because they had because like i'm the first generation they come in the united states here right and other other like people are like Sapneco, Misteco, or other community are second generation and they know more about about this society than us you know like yeah i feel like well like 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 we just go school but like, there are so there are other scholars that or other indigenous people that have been here that know the society that that see i don't know but like what i mean is right now it's really hard to be who we are and we get critiqued by the academia, also by the community members, like not community members, our, our parents, like like other critic, other community members, you know. And yeah, so yeah. I have to go, but what was the last question? I didn't catch that. Sorry. I, I oh oh, Ini, what was what was the last question? What? Oh, uh, I I I thought uh, oh okay. Uh, my question is like right now. Um, it's not a question. It's just opinions about like. Oh yeah. It's really hard to be like a. Like especially in in the academia, or because we know that this is place is not for us, right? But many times we get critiqued by like white academicals or just mestizo academicals by who we are, but also the people who been in society more like indigenous people being here more than us, you know? Because I mentioned before, like I'm I just got in learning in Spanish and English. Like I speak more fluently my language mixteco than other languages, you know. And being like a part, like going to academia, being part of that, like this community in general, like a Mexicano, Latino, whatever, it's really hard. Like you have to think critic, critically about the term you choose to describe yourself because you get critique about like if you call yourself indigenous, right? Because like for for example, right, the, the term you savvy, like in San Martin Peras, we don't use the term you savvy. Like it's that's that's a reality, and we don't use that. We we just we call ourselves different. But now we're in the in Facebook, in Twitter, whatever people just Nusabi and, and indigenous other terms. Um, so right now, what I mean is like it's really hard to if you're trying to uh, like like call yourself like Nandabi or something like that, right? And people wanna say, oh no, you're not Nandabi, you're Nusabi, right? So so what I mean is like in this moment, like in this time, people have really cool people like categorize people are this is you are. This. And yeah, so that thing is in this time, it's really critical just to understand. And I think whatever it is that uh, the position is, we have always had to have, I'm always going to be there as a position, right? Yeah, um, I, I agree with Ini. And I think we talk about this a lot. Um, I guess uh, it's a lot of pressure being in these academic uh, spaces because uh, not only do we have to like, have a uh, lucha but with other academics but we also have to make sure we we are um in a way queramos or no we're representing our community right um so i guess we gotta be careful uh and also understand that that we will this there's always gonna be people that won't be happy with what we do or say and either whether it's academic or the community because you know we we're in different processes but but one thing that I really, really, really encourage for us to do as people who are navigating the system is to to not let the system change us and, and have us lose our, our views because sometimes we, we become too academic and then we, we lose our, our, our path of the point of view of the community and then we end up doing the same thing what the people have been doing to our communities. So. Um, I guess just know what spaces you are, because like, for example, in the communities, you, you can't be talking about this key, all this story that we're talking about, like, todavía no están en esa process, o lo entienden diferente, you know? So um, we just gotta be careful with that. And I, um, the most important thing for me is that we gotta stay connected with our community, because that's the only way we have been able to move on. Our communities were able to move on the fiesta because they are connected, you know? So uh, as people who are doing these uh, things, we got to continue being connected with our communities. We need them and they need us and we need each other. So, so definitely, but we always have to be careful on what we take as truth because there's some always like something like 
for example, if you say something, an academic will be like, no, but the history says this, and then like, well, who are you to, to say that my community is wrong, you know? So like things like that could happen. But at the end of the day, if we're connected with the community, I think we, we, we shouldn't have that, that many problems. Um, speaking, of, speaking of to that, um, in academia and indigeneity, well, something that, that has to be clear is that we're new, like we're hip. We're, we're coming in to these spaces that are not used to hearing about us, uh, about our history, who we are, you know, and by that, it actually gives us a lot of opportunities, I think, to really know who we are, where we stand as a people, uh, to define ourselves, right? Have clear what are our, our, our politics, um, our culture, where we stand, our position, um, and say it with not, with not fear, not fear of opposition, no fear of retaliation. Just say who you are. This is who I am. This is what I do. And this is are the co- these are the causes that I'm struggling for. That's how I take it. And that's how I navigate certain spaces that, to be honest, um, I'm not fond of. <laughs> Even though I'm, I have been an academic for quite a few time now. But um, this is, I, I look at it as an opportunity, you know, uh, an opportunity for where I come from. I think... When I tell people, this is who I am, this is where I come from, these are the politics that I study, this is the history that I'm, that I'm researching, it gives me a lot of opportunity to get to know people and for other people to get to know me. And also to debate and to discuss and to create some form of knowledge among us, right? I love it when I meet people from total different part of the world and, and his or her experiences are similar to mine. I think that's such a beautiful thing and I get a lot of pleasure from that. Um, but the only thing that, that, that I'll say that I agree with any that happens is when certain people with power and privilege, they try to put us in a certain box. And I know Chicanos and Latinos in higher education, they got used to this, or where they place indigenous folks or what they define as indigeneity as some kind of a little toy that, or some like little drawing that they like to hang somewhere and that's the the issue that i have there but the way i deal with that is that i straightforward um say establish a difference and by that i mean that um for instance i love when i explain that i'm from mexico but not really mexican and there's a difference between where I come from and what people perceive as Mexico because of the history, because of the land conflicts and all these things. And by me doing that and, and establish some kind of difference, I think I, I love it. I just, some people, they, some Mexicans get like so angry and, and they straight up debate me, but, but I love it. I enjoy it because it's me establishing a history that it was, it, it was taught to be nothing. It was humiliated, it was rejected, it was put on the side, you know? And when, when I write something and people read it and they tell me, oh, I did not realize that, uh, I didn't know that was part of, history, of the history of Mexico, that I get pleasure from that. Um, I think it's a matter of having your position very clear, you know? Um, knowing who you are. Um, it takes a lot of work. It took a lot of work for me. Um, for instance, saying I'm a Yusabi. Um, my people describe themselves as the carriers of humility. Therefore, they call themselves the Nandavi. Um, I come from a town where it's super involved in politics. Everything is politics. If you're a member of a community, when you're a kid, you need to start thinking about politics. And that's how I was raised. That's why I have like ideas on politics all around me all the time. I make everything political. And it's because my family, my community has always been like that. And having that clear, having that clear for me, for myself, it really helps me to dialogue with people with, with different experiences and to interrupt and to mark the difference. You know, we might come from Mexico, but we have different experiences. That's how I take it. I hope that helps. Yeah.